Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you're a new listener, the PK Podcast is a community-inspired conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the $17 billion promotional products business. I'm Bobby Leehew. I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Mark Graham, president of Right Sleeve and CEO of Common Skew. And joining us today is Trevor Neeson, CEO of Logomark, one of the industry's largest, most respected suppliers, and also the retail watch company, Jorg Gray, J-O-R-G, Gray. Trevor's been recognized numerous times in the industry, receiving multiple accolades and honors, including a frequent spot on the industry's top 50 most powerful people. Some recent noteworthy endeavors by Trevor and his team you might not know about. He's a big believer in community and giving back. Last year, Logomark made a large donation to provide 60,000 meals in their local community. Another interesting happening in the world of Trevor was the fact, and team, I should say, was the fact that President Obama sports a your gray watch. Now, that had to be good for sales, right, Trevor? Unbelievable. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> he's cost us a lot of taxes, but he's also helped the company a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Well, we are going to be designing dresses for Michelle now, yeah. uh, Trevor. Or <laughs> I, I, I wish I could. I mean, just I was watching the uh, the show yesterday, and for every dress that she wore, it, it will generate fourteen million dollars worth of sales for the designer. Wow! Wow! So Trevor, we're we're curious about so many things. You're a fascinating person in the business, um, and we won't camp out here too long. But how did you get your start in the industry? Well, you know, I've actually been in the industry for uh, many years. You know, I started out. I was one of the pioneers when in South Africa. I, I come from South Africa originally, and you know, I was actually started out. Believe it or not, we were one of the first companies in South Africa to actually. Um, do wearables, and it, we started out manufacturing uh, manufacturing uh, shirts for the promotional market, and and so I was actually a clothing manufacturer, and then got into the gifts uh, at a later stage, and then um, that was in nineteen oh my god, it's a long time ago, nineteen eighty, and um, and then in nineteen ninety three started Logomark in the USA. You know, that seems to be a recurring theme with you uh, and has been for years. I hear the words pioneer, one of the first. And you guys with Logomark are always on the cutting edge. I'm assuming, since I'm not in the world the world of uh, retail watches, I'm assuming the same with Yorgo Gray. Uh, but you have always been on this cutting edge. Um, I know in 2010 you were one of the first to have a really successful um, app on the iTunes store for Logomark, amongst other things. I remember years ago, you were one of the first that I recall sending material directly to end users. And that was that was back then a pretty wild concept. You know, you know I believe that, you know, if you want to be successful in business, you have to be, you have to do something different. And sometimes being too different also doesn't work, you know, but being different you set you apart from everybody else and you know that's how you become a market leader and you know it's ironic you say that you know, we were so far ahead at one stage in IT development people weren't getting what we were doing we actually yeah. had to stop I mean it was so ironic that you know at the show the power summit you know ASI unveiled their latest where you can have web stores and stuff like that I mean this was a takeoff on something we launched in 1998 
Yeah. And <laughs> we had we really had six thousand um, distributor stores at that time. Yeah. Right. Trevor, you uh, as Bobby was saying, you you've frequently been ahead of the curve and have been a pioneer, and you've uh, just mentioned that the one of the best ways to become a market leader is to innovate and be ahead of the market. Um, I know at the Power Summit, you were very candid about some of the challenges that you've had in some of your ventures where you've been so far out ahead of the curve and you've had so much success with them, but there's also been a been times uh, uh, of challenge as well. And I know that uh, I'm specifically referring to Value Mark, and we were talking about this before we got hit record, and I, I thought that it would be interesting for you to tell the audience a little bit about that story and some of the things that you've learned about being ahead of the curve and some of the things it's taught you when it hasn't worked out so well. You know, <clears throat> yeah, unfortunately, not every venture always works out the way you plan it. And, you know, if I can just mention that what works on paper doesn't work out in real life, unfortunately. <laughs> it always looks good on paper and you're always guaranteed to make a profit. But when it comes to the real life, things are slightly different. And, yeah. and so let me just get rid of this call. And so for me, you know, we launched, you know, ValueMark was always a very small part of the LogoMark brand. It was a, a, um, um, a section, a very small section in the back of the catalog. And it was a range that we always had. And the problem was that, you know, the industry has always looked at LogoMark as being a high-priced, you know, high-quality product line. And... And then we had the section called Value Mark in the back of our catalog, which people thought were was a very expensive line, but it actually wasn't. It was a very well-priced product uh, with exceptional quality, but very competitive in the marketplace. And so what we mm -hmm. decided to do was relaunch the brand and come out with a totally new look from the brand and add several hundred products to the brand and come out and introduce it as a you know, full-fledged, uh, brand with a catalog of you know over 300 pages and you know we didn't anticipate that it would take off well I say that's not we anticipated it would take off but not to the extent that it took off and when it did take off it it wasn't a gradual takeoff it, it actually was slow and then it just took off like a rocket and it got out of control because we weren't get up to handle so many additional orders at one time. Our production facility was not get up to handle it. And mm. so uh, sometimes uh, the success of the line was just uh, so great that um, uh, we couldn't handle it. And, it. and we had to make fast readjustments to be able to cope with the production side of it. You know, Trevor, at, at the Power Summit, you, you also um, had a couple of interesting comments, and, and everybody loved how refreshingly honest you always are. And you talked about just how hard everybody's working today. It almost sounded, it almost sounded as if uh, you um, were really uh, turning some kind of a corner where you were, uh, you've always been a big family person. But uh, how important is balance and, uh, to you in your life as you're trying to manage multiple businesses and, and, and all of those things that go with it? 
you know, that's the, one of the sad things that's actually happened to this industry. You know, uh, the, you know, when I started in the industry in the United States, I mean, it was a real laid back. It was really a fun industry to be in. The people um, were just people made money. They enjoyed life. For for the most part, a lot of the people I know in the industry, you know, made you know they were financially successful. But you know they had good quality life, and what's mm. actually happened now in the industry is that we've created a monster for ourselves. I mean, I you know I see mm. people working online at twelve o'clock at night, eleven o'clock at night. They're sending orders through to the company. They're trying to get goods out the next day, and there's really no reason for it, you know. And and so we've made this not a promotional industry, but it's become like a takeout. You know, we're trying to compete like a McDonald's mm. where you've got to get something out within 60 seconds. Mm. And, you know, the truth of the matter is when you actually look at when those goods really need to be delivered, they don't need to be delivered in such a hurry. And and we've allowed the consumer to demand that from us because we've kind of set the pace. And, you know, we've set the pace where we, everyone's told everybody you can get it in 24 hours. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, um, we've just created this nightmare for ourselves where that's become the standard now. And people have to work um, these crazy hours at this point in time. Hmm. You know, it's funny. I, I uh, So, Trevor, I've been in the industry for 15 years now. And uh, when I and when I first got in, I remember trying to sell an order of... I don't know, a hard good order. I forget what it was. And the lead time was uh, at the absolute minimum two weeks, uh, but with uh, with more likely delivery of three weeks. And now, of course, we get that in 24 hours. And that's happened in the, in, in a very short time span. And so, and, and I know that I know we, each of us on a call have, have, have our own stories about that. But I, I, I'm curious, I'm curious to explore that comment. I mean, who's, Who's at fault there? Is that is that, is that Poly Concepts fault for launching Surship? Is that your fault, Trevor, for having uh, your 24-hour ship? Is that Bobby's fault because he desperately wants the order and wants to try to impress his client? Is that my client's fault because they forgot to order the promotional products, which is typically always below the line marketing item, and okay. they're coming to us and we want the order? I mean, who, who's who's to blame for this? Well, I'm going to tell you, there's really one person to blame, and that's my, I'm going to blame myself for that, because I'm going to go back to 1995, 96. Logan was always a very innovative company, and I looked at the industry, and at that point in time, they were doing stuff, um, uh, like you said, in two weeks and three weeks, and I thought, you know what, if we could change it up, we could, as a supplier, take control of the industry and and by making it that harder for our competitors to compete with us if we offered a quick turnaround time. And, you know, I was kind of shocked how long the delivery time was when I arrived in this country because... You know, in South Africa, as a clothing manufacturer, we would turn around a custom-made product, a clothing product, in three weeks. Mm. And so, in 1995, you know, 
I stand on correct. About 95, 96, we launched what was then uh, a one three five delivery, which was one day, right. three day, five day, and we launched it whereby we thought this would be a way to offer a faster delivery, but also that everybody could make money, and. We charged for that service. Uh, it was a service where if you wanted it in 24 hours, you'd pay, uh, the end user would pay a fee of $250 and they could get their goods like, and came red, blue, and orange, and went brown, which was, you know, the, mm. the colors that the industry uses for one day, two day, three day ship and for, and ground ship. And so it worked out successfully. I mean, we made a lot of money because where people really needed a 24-hour ship, they were prepared to pay for it. Distributors made money because they made a, a, a it was on an A, so they made $125. We made some extra money, and it was controlled because if they needed the goods in one day, they had the choice of doing it in one day. And so at the time... Um, we and we maintained this for quite a while, and we and and we turned our business around. Where at that point in time, by the year two thousand, our, our business was running on a standard one three five day type of turnaround time, where um, you could buy merchandise and have it delivered in standard five days, or three days, or one day. And then at um, uh, Leeds took it one step further, and they went. You know, we had, you know, we had spoken about this in the industry that. We would eventually like to turn our whole business into a 24-hour ship. And that was like a vision I always had. Mm. But they took it and they made it free. And which I didn't agree with at the time. It was like people giving away free setups. It's, uh, you know, setups cost money. They, it costs time. It's downtime on your production. And so it became a free service. And for the first year, they were they had set themselves up to do it, and so they were able to do it. And I said, I'm not going to do that, and I maintain charging for that service. But as things go, you become competitive, and so we then went and said, right, fine. We'll also do it for free, and we'll also offer all our entire range at 24 hours. Well, right. as and that was a competitive edge that we had over the industry. And so it forced the rest of the industry to go to the same basis. Now I continue in the end it came to bite us in the in the foot because we now restructured our businesses to do this all this stuff in twenty four hours. We had to add in so many extra staff to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, so many different layers to make sure this happened. Distributors started doing and distributors would still maintain their normal sales thing. It hadn't caught on to the consumer yet. But what happened was the distributors started becoming competitive with each other and saying to their clients, I'll yep. give you the product in 24 hours when they really didn't yep. need it. So what right. was then a, a rush service became the norm as a standard service. Right. And so now it's become standard service that people expect the goods to be delivered in 24 hours or 48 hours. The downside is, I think it's cost our industry, I estimate that it costs our industry uh, probably, I'd probably say close between three and four hundred million dollars a year by not charging for these services. Okay. Right. 
Uh, and also what's happened is that at first it was fun for the distributors because they could get the suppliers to make them look good. But then what started yeah. happening, as a salesperson, they would go out, get their orders that day, and then find they were having to process those orders that night to all hours of the night to make sure they're going to ship the next day because what we went then and said, okay, you can ship all your orders, any orders that you sent to us by midnight would ship the following day. So distributors were working till midnight processing the orders to make sure they're going to ship the next day. So now we've all put ourselves in a situation in this industry where everyone's working around the clock to get an order out Mm -hmm. in 24 hours Mm -hmm. that I really do believe is not, you know, Right. What's expected of our industry? Sorry. So, so try, I, I'm, I'm going to be, I'll, I'll be joking when I say this, of course, but so if you have described yourself as being one of the, uh, one of the reasons for this problem that we have in the industry, um, how, because you're a smart and innovative guy, now that you've seen the errors of your ways, if, if I'm going to put words in your mouth, <laughs> uh, how, how? What is your prescription for turning industry into a fun, profitable place that everyone can make money and still produce quickly, but turn industry back 20 years ago in terms of quality and profitability? Well, before I answer that question, I'm going to do something interesting. You know, before, and, you know, a client plan a promotion, the end user uh, would plan a promotion maybe six, eight weeks out. They'd have a budget for the function, they'd have a budget for the hotel, they'd have a budget for the travel, they'd have a budget for the promotional products that they wanted to give away. Yeah. What's happened now is let's say, for example, they used to have a budget of $10,000 promotional products that they were going to use at the function. What's happened now that you don't have to worry about promotional products till the day before. So what the situation is, is that they will spend whatever money they have. And if they have $10,000 left over, they know they can order $10,000 of product and have them delivered in four hours. And if they only have $2,000 left, that's what they're going to spend. They didn't have to commit to it. They've, they don't have to commit to a budget anymore delivered in 24 hours so they didn't have to plan for it before that plan for it order their goods and commit to it so right. I think lost a lot of business in the industry because a lot would have been spent on our product is now being spent elsewhere and we're getting the crumbs that are left over it, when, when we distributors shoulder a lot of this blame too because we've always had somewhat of a latent latent benign sales process where it's not an extremely proactive sales process it's more a reactive responding sales process that's only been worse it's really become acute due to the fast turn so you you take that on the distributor side and our um, lack of being proactive with our customers and you add to this this rush service then you've got the perfect storm and now that's the new normal yeah you know, and unfortunately, it's devalued what our product's about. You know, so many surveys have been done about value of our product and what value it brings to a client. You know, there's no two ways about it that promotional products 
do carry a lot of weight. People remember promotional products. They remember who gave it to them. They remember where it came from. And so I think per dollar spent, you know, on promotional products, there's there's so much value to it. But we've kind of, I think we've cheapened it and and we've taken away a lot of the creativity and turned it into a commodity. And if you yeah. look at a lot of the, the catalogs today, I mean, if you look at Value Mark today, it's a, I'll tell you straight out, it's a commodity catalog. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, uh, and, and I'm, gonna, I'm actually taking this from, from Bobby, uh, who's classified the industry in, in, in these three ways. So thank you, Bobby, but I'll give you credit for it. Is, is that we, we've, Trevor, we've talked about on this podcast about the industry moving in three directions. You've got the, the, the order takers, which will increasingly go online with the four imprints and the ink heads and the pinnacles of the world that do a really good job on processing those transactions. Um, we've even seen that Vistaprint is now getting into the, in, into the business, and I think that that will continue to happen. So that's the first. And I think those are the guys that really love the 24-hour ship because it's a great thing to offer on a website. Uh, the, the second uh, uh, um, uh, category are the people that provide programs and fulfillments and are, uh, fulfillment services like the Robins of the world that are with bigger companies to execute. And then number three is the agency uh, model where you've got uh, companies like Swerve Point and Great Fine Designs and Fairware and companies like that that are more boutique-ish and have still built a really nice business, but they work with brand-savvy companies on executing a, a premier promotional program. And I think all those guys that are pushing the catalogs, are the, those are the ones that I think have a lot to be worried about because I think they're going to get gobbled up by the online guys. So that, that's what we've spoken about, but it's always interesting to get your perspective, uh, Trevor, on the supplier side is to, whether you see things moving in that direction or whether you see another category evolving. Yeah, and to add to that, Trevor, before you answer, to add to that, disintermediation is being talked about a lot in this industry, whether it's Amazon getting into the business or whatever. What, what's your take on, on the future of our industry? Well, you know, it's interesting you, you asked me that question because in South Africa, um, we operated whereby we would supply distributors and we would sell direct at the same time. And th it's interesting that when I left South Africa and I came to America, that industry changed to the same model um, that's operated in the USA where you have your just supplier base and then you have your distributor base and your end user. And... When they switched over to the supplier-distributor base in South Africa, if I look at the size of that industry today, it has grown so big. I mean, it's probably grown maybe five, six hundred percent in size because of that model. I'm a great proponent. I, I really do believe that you need a supplier base and you need a distributor base. I think those that are trying to break the structure of this industry will find that it will go right back to where it was and back to where the distributor base because I think everybody fulfills a role in the industry. The suppliers fulfill a, a very important role and the distributors fulfill a very important role. I cannot do what you guys do and I don't think you guys can do what we do. I don't think a lot of distributors really appreciate what goes into 
decorating a product and how many hands touch that product before it gets delivered. You know, often we have a lot of distributors visit our facility when they come to California and you know, they come on vacation, they they call us, can we stop in? And we always give them a tour of the facility and and they're always blown away of how many people touch the product from beginning to mm. end to get it out. It's, it's unbelievable how many touches there are yeah. and how complicated it is and it's actually amazing that we get it out in 24 hours. Yeah. So, for me, the, the, the structure is important. I'll, I'll, I'm a great proponent that there's a distributor base and there's a supplier base. Now, you're right. gonna, there are some suppliers that uh, have obviously, and I'm without mentioning names, I'm, I know you guys know who they are, have opened up you know, their own distributor online basis or whatever they're doing. And, you know, some of them are going to be successful and some of them will fail. But at the end of the day, you know, it's this business is about relationship. It's, uh, I think it's relationship between a, a supplier and a distributor. You have the same type of relationship between a distributor and their client. And it's, you know, people make a whole story about price. It's price sensitive. I don't see that, you know. You know, when I look at a product and, you know, I don't even know the prices of the product. To me, it has a value. You either like a product or you don't like the product. I think we overcomplicate our industry. It's actually a simple <laughs> industry. It really is. Yeah. You know, I have to oh, yeah. say, we had a stock in a certain pen. I said, well, why don't you take a different pen? No, we have to have that pen. And my argument is, well, we've got 400 styles of pens. <laughs> really, I, it, you know, they just... Sometimes I don't know which one's nicer. You know what I mean, <laughs> Trevor? We, we have Trevor. We have. Uh, I'm curious about this. We have uh, an interesting audience at Promo Kitchen. We, um, I would say, skews to the younger um, generation in the audience, but also we have a lot of folks that are just young at heart as well. Probably a lot like like you. Um, yeah. What advice do you have for? Many of our young supplier friends that are starting out there either uh, own the, their own manufacturer, they're working for a supplier, or distributors. What advice do you have for any folks uh, in our community? Well, you're talking about a supplier? Yes. Okay. Being big is not always being, it's not always the right, it's not always the right way to go. If you look at most large the suppliers, they will tell you that they've reached a stage where they're doing incredible turnover, 30, 40, 50, 60 million dollars, and they're not making money. Hmm. And they, so they question why they, why they can't make money. You know, being big is not always being, is the right direction. I think, you know, this is something that gets lost in this country. It's about being profitable. And I'd rather have a smaller business that's making money than having a big business that's doing turnover. And so my advice to anybody who's got a business that's doing two to three million or five million dollars in sales, you know, before you grow that business, make sure you can maintain your margins. You know, it's so you get caught up in the turnover, you know, in the in the sales volume. And before you look around, you're struggling to make sales 
and you end up discounting so you can keep your facility maxed out in terms of production. Hmm. Yeah. No, it's so interesting. It's uh, We've talked about how turnover or say or the the top line revenue is really all about ego and you know profits feed families and and I think a lot of us get mixed up uh, because I think a lot of smaller distributors and suppliers which make up the majority of the industry will look at the bigger players and say oh wow he or she must be so happy they're making so much money look they're on the magazine covers and I think that that's what was so interesting and refreshing about your comments at the power summit Trevor that you are one of the largest suppliers in the business and you're a, you're a huge player you're very influential and i think there's a lot of people that look at you and say wow trevor's you must have it made you must be so happy and you're up there talking about how you sleep with your ipad and how things aren't as fun as they were at one point and you're the you're you're the top dog that a lot of us look to and I mean, so that, that was very interesting i <laughs> well, i hope i wasn't putting words in your mouth no, no, uh, we ourselves grew last year but we never made any money. Yeah. We made no money. It was just one of those yeah. years. I mean, with the, our sales grew, but we just we had to employ so many additional people to to uh, to counteract what had happened with value mark and to get our to manage the sales and to manage the production that we were just employing people. To, we probably had so many excess of. We had such an excess of people here just trying to get out orders. And so before you look around, you know, you end up making no money and all you've done is sales. And so it's yeah. very easy to be caught up with it, you know. And, you know, unfortunately, the hard part is when you get to that stage is it's, it's hard to go backwards and it's hard to readjust your business to whereby – you you know, I I I was offered, a, you know, I've been offered a business now to purchase, and I looked at their sales, and I looked at the dollar value, the the bottom line they were making. I mean, it's a business doing four million dollars, and they're making incredible profits. And I thought to myself, and this guy is looking to bring in a partner because he wants to treble his size. And I thought to myself. If he only knew, he's got a gold mine. I mean, he's he he's making an incredible amount of money. And I wanted to say to him, what do you what do you really want in life? Because you, you know, you, when, you know, it's an old saying. You know, you want all these things, but eventually, you can only sleep in one house at one time. You can only drive one. <laughs> and I've had them all. Trust me, I've you know, I've, I've had all the sports cars and all the cars. And you know what they. You eventually get tired of it, and mm. and so, but you, you get. For me, it's maybe too late. I'm caught up in it now. Now I've got to fix it up, and I've got to grow my business to grow out of where I was. You understand what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah. that's um, no, I, 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 absolutely. That's great advice. I know. Uh, you know, we had Seth Godin on last fall, and he had a statement. Don't don't you're not in that pod, podcast. Maybe he did. Maybe he's in the podcast. But don't be small because you can't figure out how to get big. Consider being small because it might be better. You know, I, you know, yeah. I've made mistakes so many times in my life where I've had great businesses. I've I've had many businesses, and I and I do other things. And you know, I've I've messed up so many businesses because I'm an entrepreneur. I, you know, entrepreneurs don't make good or not good businessmen. They're good visionaries. And mm. so, you know, if you do, I'll tell you one thing, and the one thing I've and 
I'm learning this very late in life, okay? <laughs> the one advice I can give anybody who wants to grow big, you're obviously an entrepreneur. Make sure you've got a good businessman who's not an entrepreneur who can run your business. And let that person mm. run your day-to-day operation and you go do all the visionary stuff. And I can tell you now, it'll be a total different operation. Mm. Yeah. Great advice. Great, Great advice. advice. Um, Great advice. Before we, uh, before we head to, we have the famous 10 questions, Trevor, that I sent you that we'd like to ask you. We just I like to ask those because we get to know our, our guests a little bit better. But before we head that direction, Mark, do you have any final questions for Trevor? Uh, you know what? I, I I have one final question. I know that we're at, we're we're uh, perhaps overstaying our welcome here, Trevor. But this is so fascinating that I I, I hopefully you'll have another couple minutes for this one. Um, you you had uh, so we've spent a lot of time talking about the challenges in the industry and 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 makeup of the industry and how suppliers and distributors are all in this mess together. Um, right. You you had mentioned at your last public. Uh, performance that you're uh, at logo mark again you're innovating in another area and you mentioned about how you're 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 coming up with this technology that will really improve how distributors and suppliers interact with one another and you were a little uh, it was still a little bit vague at the time but i don't know if you're liberty to share that because i think it would be very interesting as a way of summing this up in terms of how we collectively can look into the future because you seem to be quite excited about that, and I'm not sure if you're at liberty to discuss it, but I thought I would throw it out there. Well, I can't say too much because it's all in development at the moment, but all I can say is that I really do believe that this industry is going to survive as it is. It will, it, it, you know, it's just, it's going to continue. But I, what we're trying to do and what we want to launch towards the second half of the the year, it's a different platform of of how you're going to sell promotional products and what you're going to be able to do with promotional products. And maybe, maybe it will just slow down that whole process of have to have it tomorrow because the value add that we're going to bring to it is going to require a little bit more time to actually get that product in place. And so, it'll... But the value add will make it that much more valuable that people will be more willing to wait for what we're going to be able to deliver them rather than getting out stuff in 24 hours. And what we're going to do with promotional product as a promotional product uh, and the value that the end user is going to be able to get from that promotional product will be worth waiting the extra time for and hopefully slow down this madness that we've all found ourselves in where we believe that everything's got to be done in 24 hours and maybe we'll all smell the roses and realize what a great industry this is and what potential. I mean, we I really do believe that even at a $17 billion industry, we haven't even touched the surface. Hmm. Man, that's refreshing. Refreshing to hear. No, go. really. I mean, I really... There, there, there's the visionary. That's right. I tell you something. Oh, you say, There's a visionary out there, Trevor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because I, you know, there is. I see so much, so much potential in this industry that 
I see so much money being left on the table. You know, the advertising, you know, we've got to stop looking at our industry as a chuchk industry. We're going to start yeah. looking at our industry as part of the advertising world. Yeah. And can we give to the advertising world rather than just a mug with a name on or just a product? And, you know, we have to change up this industry. And I think, you know, that's what's going to come. And I know a lot of people are working on this. And it's, unfortunately, it's going to be very expensive to do. The, the development and is several million dollars on this type of project. Um, and the, the, before, you know, I'd like to add something that's very, very important to our industry. You know, what's bring, going to bring our industry down is the lack of the, of the distributors understanding how important compliances. You know, if there's going to be anything that brings this industry down, it's going to be that nobody cares about product safety or the compliance of the product that they buy to resell to their clients. And this is something that Logomark has been a, a leader in. Um, with There's 26 other companies that have now been certified by an organization called QCA. Mm. It, costs, uh, it has cost us millions of dollars as a group of suppliers to get to the stage where we believe that we are offering now safe and compliant product to the industry. And I think it's so important that distributors support these companies that are bringing this initiative to the industry because it's only going to take a few lawsuits to bring down this industry because of bad product and unsafe product. Hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Trevor, we really appreciate it. Bobby, you. I'd say... Yeah. I was going to say, Bobby, I think it's time to launch into those questions. I think it is, too. That's a great way to, that's a great way to close. So, Trevor, we have a few questions. The reason we ask these, we just want to get to know you a little bit better. What's your favorite word? Yes. <laughs> okay. Rude. I, I, I hate the word no, because no is a coward's way out of just not even thinking about what the, what the ability is. So, when people, you know, it's... No is the easiest word in the dictionary, and yes is the hardest word. And yes is a commitment, so I'll, that's my favorite word. Great word. Uh, room, desk, and car, which do you clean first? <laughs> well, I, I must be honest, I like to work in a clean environment. And so for me, I like to have my office. If, when you come to our facility, you know, people... <coughs> In our in our production facility, they often say you can eat you can eat off the floor. Hmm. People who work in a clean facility have a different respect for what they do, and so for me, I like the area that I work in must be clean and well organized. Awesome. My desk not always that way, but my facility and my companies that run that place. Hmm. Favorite animated film. I don't know. I, I, you know. I haven't taken my grandchild to a movie yet. Maybe I should do that. <laughs> okay, favorite, let's move to number four, favorite beverage. Uh, favorite, I like a good scotch whiskey. Uh, you, sound, you, you seem like a scotch man. All right, first Mars visit. You can only take the complete works of one artist and author with you. Who are they? God, I knew you were going to ask that question. I was thinking about it, and I really don't know because I like a variety in life so I'm not a one type of artist guy but um, 
I really can't answer that question. I'll be honest with you. No, no, that's all right. That's all right. That one. So, so lots of, I think you've answered this already, but uh, number six and number seven, number six, what excites you about our industry? I just think there's such potential in this industry. There's, there's so much that, let me tell you something. There, there is so much that's going to happen in this industry in the next 12 months. I don't think people realize what's going to happen. There is really what's, I see and I hear that the taking place. I think our industry is going to get a second wind in the next 12 months, and I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a hell of a ride. That's great. Okay, what deflates you about our industry? Uh, I'll tell you what deflates me. I, I don't like the way people speak to each other in this industry. I think there's a lot of disrespect in this industry. Hmm. There's a lack of respect for what people do for each other in this industry. And, you know, when I hear how people sometimes talk, you know, you can be frustrated and people can get frustrated in, uh, in business. But, you know, everybody's trying their damnest to make things right. No one goes out of their way to do things wrong. And I just think there's that people have forgotten to show um, appreciation for what other people do for them in this industry. Hmm. That's a great word. Uh, what profession other than our own would you like to attempt? Uh, I would have liked to be a property developer. That's, I hmm. love, I, you know, I, I love developing stuff. I love building from the ground up and, and I'm a creative person. I'm a, I'm a frustrated designer. <laughs> you know, my graphics people always laugh at me. I, I can't write a letter I can't do a design, but when I look at one, I can correct it mm. to look. It should look like so. You know, sometimes I, I wish to go do a graphics course. So I could get on the computer and help them with the graphics and you know the layouts of the catalogs and the marketing pieces. I, I sometimes um, not able to do that, but I think I've kind of learned how to describe it and so the people that have worked for me or people that mean my graphics and marketing department um, have learned to just listen and I, I can pretty much describe what I'm trying to achieve and I let them go to the camp and, and, and that's the way I like to work. Hmm. So what profession would you not like to do? You know, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that one. Uh, um, I don't know. Okay. What about, you know, what about your what about favorite app? Last question: favorite app or software? Do you have a particular app or software that you that you like? You know, I travel a lot, and you know, I'm always in the air. So any travel apps, you know, I'm always looking at travel apps. I, I, love, you know, I find fascinating how the airlines work out their pricing. I still haven't worked it out yet. But, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I'll give you an example. You can fly from L.A. to Hong Kong back first class, and that ticket will cost you $24,000. You can fly from L.A. to San Francisco to Hong Kong and back to L.A., and that ticket will cost you $14,000. Or you could fly from L.A. to Sydney, Australia, to Hong Kong and back to L.A., and that ticket will cost you $11,000 first class. And it's quite funny that the longer the the more legs are involved the cheaper the ticket and you're wondering how the hell are they making money on you 
flying all these different, you know, all these different additional legs on the flight. It's crazy. So I kind of get a kick at trying to find out how to work out the best deals on the airlines. You know? <laughs> That's great. Well, there's no question. There's, is there an app for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds like there might be one in development if Trevor has his way about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Trevor, there's no question. You elevate the profession of our uh, uh, industry, and we have been honored to visit with you for the past hour. And thanks for taking time to chat with us today. Yeah, I wish you know. I really do appreciate. I don't often, Bobby. You're the first guy who's convinced me to do this. I don't normally do stuff like this. Well, the, well, we're definitely humbled in and honored. We really are. I know uh, you're so approachable. I know if people met you in person, they may not know exactly uh, much about you. They will today a little bit more, but they will find out you're very approachable and uh, uh, big-hearted person. And we certainly appreciate your time today. Uh, Mark, any final comments? I was just going to say, Trevor, it's hard to say no to Bobby, you know, with that uh, with that accent of his, you yeah, know, that, it's... That okie, right. That's southernness, right. <laughs> so, Trevor. No, I, I, I was going to, I was just going to echo what you said, Bobby, in that, uh, Trevor, you, you, you've long been a, a source of fascination for me over my time in the industry, and uh, and really appreciate you taking the time. I think that the audience will really appreciate your candid insights and learn a lot from you. Hmm. You guys are welcome, and, you know, anybody in the industry, you know, you know, when I arrived in this country, a lot of people helped me, and I really appreciate it. And so the offer is open to anybody, whether they're a supplier or they're a distributor. If you need help and you need to start a business or you're trying to do something in your business, you know, if I can help you and I can give you some advice, call me. You know, my you can I have a direct line number or you can call me on my cell phone, ask, you know, I don't want to. I, I can. I don't mind giving you my cell phone number over the. But you're welcome to to call me, and if I can help you, I've helped many young uh, people starting out in in business in the supply industry. You know, the business is big enough for everybody. You know, someone once said to me, "Is Leeds your biggest competitor?" And I said, "No." They said to me, "But." Surely, you know, they do three or four hundred million dollars a year. I said, let them have the three hundred million dollars. There's still sixteen point seven billion dollars left for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and if anybody needs any help, and if I can help anyone who wants to start off as a supplier today or as a distributor and they just want some advice, you know what? They can always call me, and if I can help them, it would be my pleasure. Awesome. Trevor, thank you. Trevor Neeson has been Trevor, our guest. Trevor, I'm, uh, I'm emailing you right now. Yeah. <laughs> don't, let Mark, ahead, don't let Mark email you, Trevor. It will never end. Uh, thanks again, Trevor. Uh, Trevor Neeson has been our guest. Uh, Logomark.com. Jorg Gray, J-O-R-G-G-R-A-Y.com. Uh, it's been an honor and privilege. And for our Promo Kitchen friends, um, thanks for listening. Take a moment to let us know how we're doing. Send us uh, some questions. Comment on iTunes. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback. And uh, we appreciate everybody's time. Guys, we'll catch you next time at the next show. Absolutely. Thanks, Bobby. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Trevor. Take care. Welcome.